Hello everyone, welcome back to Think About It with me, Victoria Azarenka. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to Trevor Moat. He is a well-renowned mental conditioning expert and strategic advisor to some of the world's top athletes. Obviously, we have a lot to relate and talk about, and I think you will find lots of interesting information about my own mindset and what it takes to be a professional athlete. This episode really inspired me to incorporate new way of mental training for myself. Trevor, thank you so much for being here. I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. Likewise, Vika, really a great opportunity always to spend time with people, I think, in, in any field that have made it to the top. So the opportunity for us to spend some time today uh, and join this uh, really killer new show uh, is very exciting for me. I'm happy to have you here. So let's let's start off. Um, I know you're in Manhattan Beach right now. Why don't you tell me a little bit, where did you grow up? How did you come about into pretty specific field, working with a lot of athletes through uh, brain training, mental training? It, it was really interesting. You know, I grew up in a coaching environment. My mother was a teacher and so was my father. And uh, in the mid 70s, uh, my dad left the, uh, the teaching and coaching field he was teaching English and math and coaching basketball. And uh, uh, in addition, uh, he was teaching these class called pep talks, personal uh, enrichment principles, and helping people sort of get out of their own way. And, and, and you know, uh, the sports world teaches you of how to work with other people, how to compete, how to perform at a high level. So being a, a very successful coach uh, prepared him psychologically um, you know, to put a system in place and people really liked it. And about five of these coaches left teaching and actually formed a business um, helping people uh, get the most out of their minds. So when I was raised, my dad was not a coach anymore. Uh, he traveled around the world teaching people how to get the most out of their mind. Um, so I got a seminar, Vika, every night at dinner. Uh, I was kind of like a lab rat. It was an interesting way to grow up, that's for sure. Um, with a father that was a full-time teacher of uh, training the mind. Yeah, he hearing you talk ab about this, I grew up in a very different environment. You know, I, I grew up in Belarus where brain training when I was growing up wasn't anywhere even really talked about. I feel like probably when you grew up, you were around it so much, so it was in a way normal for you to, uh, to, to have to have that knowledge. But I still feel like people around were just, you know, like not that convinced about it. And now there's all, all this training methods, there's applications, there's devices for, for brain training. Looking back into my childhood, I, I wish I had that um, maybe knowledge, but at the same time, would I be here kind of uh, looking for this knowledge more and, and willing to learn more about, you know, mental health, mental training, even though I'm already pretty far in my career, but I still feel that those, those skill set is just so valuable for anything you do, you do in your, in your life. And what I wanted to ask you is how much your father's influence um, maybe pushed you into going the a uh, similar direction. I know you have a little bit of a different theory that that he that he had, but it's 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 a similar industry, sim similar uh, direction where where it took. So, how much was 
uh, how much influence did he have and how maybe difficult or not was it for you to find your own voice, find your own personality, your own method? I feel like what my father gave me was a really good platform. I never really felt any any pressure. Um, I mean, truthfully, Vika, when I when I went to IMG Academy in 2000 and started, <clears throat> and I'd been teaching, coaching, played a couple of years of pro soccer, the idea of sports psychology and mental conditioning was the future of sports. And now for the first time in human performance, you had athletes going to a destination, not to play tennis, but to train, not to play baseball, but to train, not to play football, but to train. Tennis players were training like tennis players. Football players were training like football players, based, you know, functional training. So you had this revolution kicking off because for many years, everybody just trained everybody the same. Women were trained like football players. I really felt like I grew up with the fundamentals and you have what, a four-year-old son? Uh, he's three and a half, yes. Yeah, three and a half. So I, I think when, as, we, as we talk more, what I really wanted to do in the book was give sort of the same fundamentals that I got, but they weren't hard and they weren't, I, I didn't have to do them. Um, ultimately, I, 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 it's crazy that I went into the same field, but I never really, I didn't intern with my dad. I didn't go, I mean, I went to his, you know, speaking events and he coached me and things like that. But if I was a fireman, Vika, I, I think the number one thing that when I think back to my father, he wanted me to be capable when I got sick and had to drop out of college that I could handle that. When I had success uh, and things were going well in my life, that I could handle it. When I went through divorce, that I could handle it. I think what he wanted me to have was the skill set uh, more than become that as a job. And it just happened that as I really couldn't make it as a pro soccer player and I went into teaching, I didn't like teaching history as much as I liked teaching sports psychology. And then Bradenton, Florida would be the perfect place uh, to get that opportunity. You know, my goal as a parent is to be able to, to help my son to create that foundation of things that, that I've learned. And part of why I'm doing the show is that I can acquire even more skill for that. How aware were you um, as a teenager of, you know, positive talking? Because at that time, um, I don't believe you had you had the, your um, method of neutral thinking. I think it was probably in development later, later on. Or have you had it since you since you were you were a kid when you were younger? You obviously have a certain influence, certain way of living at, at your house, but you have to step out of that world and you go into the world of a lot of negativity. You know, being being a kid, I remember my high school, it was really tough. It was really tough, but I was a tough kid. I grew up in, you know, around boys. I, I grew up really tough. So I knew how to shield myself, how to protect myself, but I often felt like, the bad for other kids who weren't maybe as strong mentally as I was. So how was that for you to to go out in the world and face a little bit of a different reality, I would say, sometimes? You know, one of the qualities I think really helps the best athletes that I've seen is when you can take the judgment out. So, so many of us, Vika, are defined by who we think we're not. Well, you know what? Maria's got this and Mary's got that and Venus has this 
And then, you know, so many athletes, male or female, uh, measure themselves by what they think they're not. And I, I think somehow in the process when I was raised, I was able to focus on what I had. All right, I might be 5'11", I may not be as athletic, but I'm gonna use the gifts I have and be confident in that. I'm okay that I'm at a school where everybody's more intelligent than me. Uh, it takes them 30 minutes, it takes me three hours. That's all right, I'll put the three hours in. And I, I learned how to accept myself um, for the strengths I had and not judge myself for the weaknesses, but adapt. Uh, and, and that, however I learned that, um, and I do believe uh, wellness or, you know, Russell Wilson and I are really pushing to, to develop uh, academic curriculums that have these fundamentals, not the hard part, like meditation or things like that, but learning the power of language, learning the power of my own influence. What I'm most proud of myself is I constantly put myself in stressful environments that were way above my pay grade. That stress was a good thing for me uh, because I was always around people that were better. When you, when you talk there, I, I keep writing little notes down because I feel like when you're talking about, you know, constantly challenging yourself, like swimming in the deep end. And I was just talking yesterday to, uh, to someone about, uh, they were asking me about a junior girl, like she's, you know, 14 years old, kind of like a little bit afraid to, to go into the next step. And he was asking me like, how, how was your mindset when you were 14? Like, what were, what were you thinking? And looking back, I think what was, what was different from the area, for example, where I grew up, which tennis was absolutely not popular. I was really kind of trailblazing my way. What, what I realized, I always played a year above me. I always played with somebody better. Even though I was losing, I was, I was trying to, to go for more. I was never a kid who was looping the balls and staying there for hours. I would, I was the one who was running in and trying to, to, to take a swing volley and it was going to the net. It was going to the fence, but that was like something that I would, I was going to do. And what was interesting part that I don't, I don't really know how to explain, but when I was starting to play, I was eight years old, nine years old, 10 years old. We lived in a very, very small apartment. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It's, it, we had a living room, which was a bedroom <laughs> as well. And we had this carpet, which was shaped like a tennis court kind of. So there was a, there was a uh, service line, there was a baseline and it was a square. And we had a couch and two like shelves, bookshelves. So it was like a net for me, you know? And I had little racket and the, and the sponge balls and I played there. And I played that for hours. I played against the wall for hours. And I imagined myself playing in the biggest tournaments. I always played against Steffi Graf because she was my favorite player. So my imagination ran so wild. And I, and I can't explain where I got it from. Nobody has taught me that. In my family, it wasn't such thing. Nobody really like played sport or was like, you know what? You should try to visualize something or like it was, it was coming so natural from subconscious or whatever. But I feel that that really like was taking me to places to like safe places that that was building my inner confidence. Um, and, and 
as I said, like it's so hard for me to, to explain that. But one thing that I wanted to also point out when you were saying that you were trying to 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 do those different things, and since your dad was, you know, very very positive in the way where I feel like a lot of kids sometimes face like especially in sports where their parents try to live through their own through their kids their own dreams there's a lot of negativity so it's it's kind of hard to build that confidence like oh you lost or you didn't do well or you had a bad grade or you had to do this it it feels like you had that kind of an extra push like going into the direction what you want and and what i want to ask is like what is the first thing that you First of all, evaluate with with athletes. Um, what is um, do you listen more or do you talk more in the beginning? What is the process that that kind of start the ball rolling? Because from what I'm understanding, it's 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 been a long process for you to to go to a place where people are like, oh, you know what? Let me listen to Trevor what he's saying, because you you had to convince a lot of a lot of people and prove with the result after result after result that these things work and you know people are catching up and it is very undeveloped you had to convince and restructure so much for people to even understand what why why are you here it's like why are you here i mean we're we've done our fitness we've done our we're maybe already got the nutritionist so we already progressive and now you got us talking to somebody who about what well great questions i think first of all to go back to what you were talking about you know when you're in in that apartment in belarus um you know and you're 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 reliving um you know these tennis matches and you're playing against steffi um you know and, and you're battling you know what's happening is the psychological process called imprinting and and you know as you're experiencing that your body's reliving it and it can't tell the difference between this imagination and what's real and that's really the power that the mind can have when you vividly imagine an experience as you were doing that uh it was creating this muscle memory uh that would later on be preparing you um obviously to win multiple australian open titles and all. i mean it, it all interconnects you know and and, and sometimes um you know, we're programmed, kind of like Serena said, her dad told her so often that she was going to be a world champion that she just figured she would, um, you know, and then others, we get there our own way. To, to answer your first question, I had such a great opportunity, I think, um, Vika, uh, for trial and error. You know, there was only three of us in the sports psychology department in 2000. Um, and, you know, the, the academy was was like the wild, wild west. You know, I think from a skill set, when I would do the individuals, um, we did a lot of videotaping um, where uh, we would film the male or female athlete without any perspective, but just watching their body language, watching all their routines, watching all the things they went to. We would chart a lot of matches. Um, so as somebody was playing a set, uh, we would chart, uh, you know, all their points so you could see if, uh, somebody lost two or three in a row, if it could spike to eight or nine. And a lot of this stuff we're kind of making up and then we'd come back in, we'd watch, we'd have a conversation, we'd talk about the body language, uh, we'd talk about the plan. Uh, what does a coach see? What do you see? Uh, you know, when you watch yourself, um, what do you want to accomplish? But a lot of just very practical, 
Um, you know, why aren't you there? Uh, you know, what do you really want? Guys like studying and women like studying other athletes that have been successful. Can I consolidate the best parts of Steffi Graf, of Andre Agassi, of Michael Johnson, of Lance Armstrong, and then put all these clips together where they're all saying the same thing about their path to success or how they deal with failure. So I could get athletes in to listen to that and they responded. And then we could talk about, is it the gifts they have or is it what they did before the gifts took off? When I form a habit, that habit forms me. That's not complicated, you know, good or bad. Negativity is a real problem. And it's way more of a problem to get, get people to be less negative than to get people to be more positive. Being positive to me, from where I am from, the where I kind of grew up is a little bit comical, you know, got, kind of going back to where, where you started. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to say a beautiful day and a beautiful day. And everybody, like, even when you try to, like, kind of go there, sometimes you get hit, like, get back to reality, right? Get back to reality. You are here. This is what it is. It's like kind of destroying your positive, you know, thinking. And I've had uh, personally, like, harder way to understand like when things suck like literally suck like how do you just you know oh yeah everything everything is going to be fine you want to be optimistic right and 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 i'm religious i'm uh, i have faith so i do i do believe in that component but at the same time i'm a re i'm also a realist where like i gotta act somehow i'm not gonna just sit here and hope because that's what I feel like sometimes is a misunderstanding where people may be watching and not really diving deep into the understanding of positivity and action to have a positive, positive, you know, habit, um, th thoughts. Like it's, 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 a, it's, it's work. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to wishful. I'm going to be, uh, the genie is not going to come out of the bottle and make your wishes come through. So for me, it was always kind of just like cringy in a way, a little bit, just positive. Like it's not because you have different emotions and then you hear, oh, you have to accept your emotions. So there's a lot of like, which way do I go? Am I positive? Am I, but I have to still accept my negative emotions. Like, where do I go? So it, it fascinated me, the neutrality of what you were talking about. How do you kind of start because from what I've understood and, and I saw you talk with Russell a little bit about it is staying in the moment and kind of enjoying not necessarily enjoying but being in the moment and looking at what you can do in that moment first so of all this is why I you know appreciate uh you guys giving me the opportunity WTA to have this conversation because listen to sort of the confusion or or how you understand you're one of the best athletes in the world you've been number one in the world you've won multiple grand slams and yet even trying to explain what positive is is it cringe you know it's all over the place uh you know Vig, i think it's really powerful kind of what you said because negativity is 70 times more powerful than positivity positive thinking really struggles in the world what it tries to get you to do is as a bad event happens okay it tries to get you to move from that event immediately as if it didn't happen, 
to seeing a brighter, better future instantaneously. Mm -hmm. When for many people, particularly in 2020 right now, who are furloughed or struggling to get jobs or looking at different things, it's really challenging to see the bright future. Like sort of a denial, right? Like a denial that that thing didn't happen, so I'm just gonna find another. It, it, people think it's a denial, that it, it, it's the right concept. You know what I mean? Like, but it's too fast. Mm -hmm. You know, like you just lost 6-0. You got smashed in the set. You know, like you have to be able to step back and say, I just got my ass kicked. You know, like that's real. Yeah. Okay, but the problem, like you said, a lot of people like are telling you in Belarus are telling you like, hey, you need to get back to reality. The problem is most people's reality is negativity. Mm -hmm. And what negativity does is the exact opposite of positivity where it says this is bad and it's going to stay bad. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it automatically goes in. You got your butt kicked and that's how the rest of the set's going to look. Mm -hmm. That's a, you know, and, and so what neutral does is basically say, this is good or this is bad, but either way, it's real. Okay, I lost my job, I lost the set, uh, I lost my marriage, uh, my marriage is great, um, I won a grand slam, whatever, it goes to the truth. But it says, what's going to happen next is going to be based on what Vika Azarenka does not what happened or how she feels about the future. Mm -hmm. And so for athletes, when they go to a neutral place, they can say, all right, this is real, but I can influence what happens next if I do something different for better or for worse. And, and, and so like, if I have a bad first half of a game, I know in my mind that that happened. So I immediately go to a neutral behavior what can I do differently, whether I'm up big or I'm losing big to influence this? Mm -hmm. I, I went through, like I mentioned, I went through a divorce. This is sucks. I miss her. This is, uh, I, I love this relationship. But what I'm not going to do is spend, if I spend 30 minutes on, a, on someone's Facebook, it takes an extra two weeks for me to move past it. Mm -hmm. So by not going to the Facebook page, by not dwelling on some of those things, I'm allowing myself to move forward but I'm not pretending that I don't feel the pain, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm eliminating what I'm doing going forward. That's going to make the pain worse. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, neutral is, is kind of think of your car. You got a Ford Bronco. It's going backwards. What the world tells you sometimes a coach be positive. You can't go backwards to forwards. So that's where I think athletes accept it. They like the idea of being neutral. And I think neutral is also language. Uh, it's like you're down. It's a matter of like, you know, like Serena used to say, like accelerate the racket head, you know, uh, stay forward, you know, just just behaviors you can do, whether you're, you know, up 4-1 or down 1-4. It makes a lot of sense when you do get into the, you know, for example, you lost a match or you you lost a set and you are going into that reality. Look, this is what just happened. So you're kind of analyzing right? You're going into, into the mode of analyzing and you have to prepare yourself what you're going to do next. So you do set up an intention of what you're going to do, your action. So when you do that, how do you keep that neutral? Because in my, in my mind, you want to be more on, 
you know, positive side, more motivating side. If you want to do, because you want to do better, you know, your actions, because the actions that you want to do, you're thinking of, this is what I want to do to get success, right? So it's, it's, it's going into the direction where it's, to me, kind of shift into a positivity. So how do you describe that neutral approach with an intention of, of doing, doing better? You are shifting, but you're, but you're not shifting. You're going to the truth. So the truth is critical and you're taking the judgment out. First of all, how do we teach this, Vika? What we've done, I have three full-time people that work for me. There's tons of sports footage that records people during games, during matches. You know what I'm talking about? Mic'd up where you can watch Sampras mic'd up or you can watch um, a football game where the microphone's on them. So we've recorded hours of footage and then we've broken it down to what neutral sounds like versus negative versus positive. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's more of going to the truth. Um, and it, it, it doesn't really have more of a positive lean but there are like, there is some positivity. If you remove negativity, then you can be positive. The yeah. problem is if you're trying to be positive at the same time as negative and negative so much more powerful. I mean, mm -hmm. think of American politics today, a negative message versus a positive message. A positive message has no chance, right? All the negative noise is all you hear. So, you know, ultimately it's a matter of like, all right, <clears throat> so let's take American football. I threw the ball to the wrong team mm -hmm. four times, interception. Mm -hmm. What's the truth? Okay. First time I'm leaning back. So my techniques form, I throw the ball too high. Second mm -hmm. time, the player I'm throwing to runs the wrong route. Third time, my feet weren't planted. Fourth time, I got nervous and rushed it. All right. So if I keep my feet here, follow through better, communicate better with him, then I'll be fine because I'm evaluating it objectively. I'm, uh, and I'm <clears throat> now neutral is not emotionless. I'm intense emotion. You know, I'm come on like that, but I'm not emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not emotional where I'm, because then uh, that, then all of a sudden I'm starting to see red. And I know, you know that because you can't do what you did in the moments that you did without going to, this is what I need to do to close this match. And, and you know, and, um, and I mean, how, how did you close some of those big matches where you focused like on your changeover where you focused on this is what I need to do or was it more I just got to find a way to win or was it more specific I'm asking you a lot of times I think it also depends um sometimes on your emotional state when you're really confident it's almost like you don't think it's like everything is very quiet and it's like, I know what I got to do. I don't necessarily think what I have to do. Like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust my body. And I, I've done that before. I've done that before. I know how to do it. This is what I Sometimes it felt also like you kind of got to talk yourself into it a little bit. Like, okay, you know how to do it. Just remember, remember that, like, try that, go through that. Yeah. Remember what, what are the specifics that you're doing when you are uh, in that moment where you're closing a match? Well, for me, it was, it was, yeah, for me, it was, there was, there were two things that um, when, when I was down and I knew I had to get back, it's like, I, I had this, 
always I kept telling myself like if you have one more point you have a chance to make a difference so no matter what it is you just have to try you just have one more chance at least one more chance to make a difference and it may work may not work but that was that helped me through some match points down to kind of get that get that mentality the the other the other thing was going through and taking your chance because you know at 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 the at the high level nobody's going to give you something you have to go and earn it so when you have to close the match you you put yourself in this mindset you have to go take it and you got to trust everything that you've learned you got to trust yourself you got to hype up yourself sometimes to be more brave to do this but this but this was to me more like you have to take that chance and and all the matches that i've lost is was i didn't take the chance and my opponent did i wasn't you know i didn't go for enough and and sometimes i felt that it was better to go for maybe too much because you feel a little bit less of you know like i sort of regret in the moment like oh i i should have I should have taken rather than, um, you know, just not taking that chance. So that, those were the two things for me that, that made, uh, made a big difference. Well, I think we, what, what we've really tried to do is to <clears throat> take those two things and break them down even more. So <clears throat> I remember the great Olymp Olympic sprinter. I, you know, I, I think you can learn, first of all, I'm getting better today. So thank you for the time that you're spending with me uh, because <clears throat> I'm a big, this is an opportunity for me where I'm at somebody at another level for me, clearly uh, athletically um, <clears throat> and I'll, you know, in your experience. So it, it's going to pull me up. So I appreciate that. Uh, and one of the things I learned from the great Olympic sprinter, Michael Johnson, who from 89 to 2000 was number one in the world, and kind of was famously wore the gold shoes. I know him very well. I actually went to his center and I've did some of my testing there. I've had a pleasure talking to Michael. He's, uh, he was very inspirational. But isn't he one of those guys, Vika, where you would say whether he ran or not, like whatever he did, you could tell he would be good at it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like right, like right even now, like he, I mean, I remember watching him like perform and then meeting him was like uh you know it's a surreal a surreal feeling but i remember those races that like you they were so short but the anticipation for it and like the excitement before and like it was it was always super cool yeah you know and, and last year he had a stroke um and all the same things that he did to make himself number one in the world he worked himself back in seven weeks and completely recovered from not being able to walk you know so i think that's another thing for people listening to these so many of these skills as an athlete uh relate uh to the skills that you're going to develop later uh, as a person in in your own life because uh, they all translate but you know one of the things mike said was um drew Brees, the, the football player was asking him you know hey like how do you set goals and he was talking uh, to a bunch of football players out in bradenton and, you know, like, did you learn? Did someone teach you? And he said, you know, when I used to go grocery shopping, I realized if I walked into a Safeway and I had eight things written down, I would go into Safeway and I'd go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and I'd get right out. 
And then I noticed if I walked into that same Safeway a week later and had nothing written down, I'd be in there for 25 minutes. I'd find myself on aisle seven going, why am I here staring at the Twinkies? And, and so I started to realize that if I had things written down, it would target my mind to focus on those things. Mm -hmm. So as a track athlete, I focused on keeping my head down, pumping my arms, exploding like a gun and being a bullet. And I would tell myself those things. So my arms would think about those. And, and so we really built our, our model going into football, baseball, basketball. Like you said, you had these two things and then kind of taking those two motivational elements, but then breaking them down into the neutral statements. So like Russell goes into a game with three things on his mind, <clears throat> great balance, right? You know, athletically, you got to stay balanced, great fundamentals, and then being engaged. I'm not going to let somebody else run my career. I'm going to be at front. I'm going to be talking. I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to be actively involved. And then at the end of the game, we evaluate, you know, psychologically, how are your fundamentals? How is your balance? Were you engaged? Were you running the show? Were you letting your coach dictate your emotions and your intensity? Or were you doing that? So I think the more neutrally that you can measure, like during a game, for me, when I'm at a game, um, you know, I'm out there and then me and those guys have three or four things. Were you out with your balance? How are you out with communicating? Are you talking to those three guys over there, keeping them engaged, which helps you play better? So what I've tried to do is make the psychological principle, uh, you know, instead of this sort of magical thing um, and a motivational thing, more of are you doing these things that trigger your mind that help your body get to the next level, which has given me an opportunity where coaches have said, we want you on the field with us as well. It's very practical, practical approach to um, to to uh, current things that you actually can do. So my next my next kind of question is when you do set up the goals, because, you know, going in a tennis match, you do have, you know, that your your talk with your coach, you talk tactics like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to have to watch out for this and I'm going to do this. So a couple of things. Um, you know, being a tennis player, you're trying to be more focused on your own game, kind of adapt to your opponent, but still more on your on your game. At least this is how how I was. I knew if I play my game, it's going to be tough for my opponent. If I do the things that I need to do, it's going to be tough for my opponent. But obviously then when you get in the heat of the moment and there's a lot of distractions and stuff, you go back into thinking, oh, the result right because that's ultimately why you're there your goal is not to do necessarily to do all those things you want the results that's your ultimate goal to win right because it's not i don't think that the football team is like okay you know what we're just gonna practice this year these three things we'll see how it goes their desire maybe it's a desire i i do agree but yeah. in the programs i'm involved in um the way we measure it we we don't set outcome goals really no so so would is that a, like a goal or a desire you would see nothing about winning or championships okay and the reason is 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 you can win in uh and not do what you were supposed to do you can win because your opponent did a lot of things wrong uh we want to be able to measure did we do did we did we drive our hands this way did we move this way did we have these penalties did we make these mistakes 
Did we have these successes? Did we stop them here? And we have all these tangible measurements where we can say, all right, we did all those. If they won, then they outplayed us, but we played our game. Because, because there's so many factors to winning or losing that um, are uh, misrepresented. You know, um, you could play a hell of a match and there's factors that were out of your control um, that you did right. Um, and, uh, and if you keep doing those things, you're going to keep winning, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, and there's an outcome component to it. Obviously you've got to win, but your mind can only think about one thing at a time, Vika. So the more it's focused on, did I go low to high? You know, uh, did I do the things I needed to do? Was I engaged? Hey, in the long term, I'm going to win. Now, obviously, we are very practical. If you're a good player, you better play good or you won't play, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, we speak the real language. It's yeah. not all sunshine and rainbows. So if you're at the places I'm at, you know, if it's the fourth quarter, you better close that dude out, you know, but we're focused on how you do it mm -hmm. as opposed to closing them out. Mm -hmm. I am so result focus that it messes with me a lot of times that's where i have to retrain myself and and it's you know i've been playing on tour for 16 years 15 years and i'm still kind of learning that but one thing i want to really reinforce mm -hmm. is the inside thoughts vika have nowhere near the power as the outside words mm -hmm. so don't worry as much about the inside thoughts like you know in the world today how could they not be all over the place? You yeah. know, and, and I've been with people before championships and uh, US Opens where they're like, you know, you have that doubt, you have that worry, but you're not talking about it. You're not like, I don't know if I can beat her. As long as you just kind of keep that in and then in your mind, you have that debate like you're talking about. Hey, you know what? Let's close this traffic. Let's calm down. I can do this. And you have that conversation uh, and then you don't let it come out loud. Up and then you kind of stay strong and you act as if, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I just, but I think the vast majority of people, Vika, if we want to have the conversation with people in Belarus, uh, people in Guernsey, uh, you know, people in uh, Los Angeles with more people, we got to make it easier for them. And yeah. I think learning how to not watch this and to not listen to that and to not say this is the starting point but I don't think anybody knows that's the starting point. We are programmed and I feel like, especially in US, it's like more, 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 more money, more fame, more this, more this. It's always more, more, more food. Like it's so much that like less, you know, and, and it's a great way of, of, of explaining. It's like sometimes you just have to shut up and do it. Like just shut up, stop talking. Sometimes what made you one of the best players in the world is not what you did, but what you were willing not to do, yeah. what you didn't eat, who you didn't talk to, what you didn't watch, you know, what you didn't consume. And we can always not do things. Yeah. And, and I think if we start there, uh, there's a great graduation speech that Matthew McConaughey did, you know, and, and who would think Matthew McConaughey, but 25 years he's been acting. And he said the process of elimination is one of the most powerful things in the world. Uh, once you learn who you're not, you get closer to figuring out who you are, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and so, but I try to be simple just because I also try to impact more people. What I want to know and learn and understand and for people to understand is the skill of recovery. 
because when you when you already suffer that when you already went through that difficult part and you're in a healing process or you want to start the healing process is a little bit different to me it feels like at least that is a little bit of a different maybe starting point um then just eliminating negativity in the present like something that you kind of have to recover so I'm, i'm not sure i'm right i'm just trying to like kind of talk from my own experience because i have suffered a, a really difficult you know personal trauma you've went through a divorce i had a little bit of a different uh, situation with with my uh custody battle and that that reshaped me so what is your steps to recover uh from the trauma that you have endured already well, i think for you when you were you know kind of going through your situation whether <clears throat> custody was going to be in belarus or los angeles county and you know uh and then just that not knowing right Um, and then, you know, obviously something so important, somebody that's a part of you, somebody that's your child, uh, you know, and I think <clears throat> a divorce was really traumatic for me because, you know, ours wasn't, uh, you know, infidelity or, I mean, ours was literally just grew apart and, and, uh, that was such a frustrating thing to have happen. And, um, so, or Russell Wilson, you know, uh, throwing an interception on the one yard line in the Super Bowl in front of 124 million people, you know, and then having the trauma of, of, you know, people saying you failed or you made this mistake uh, or you didn't live up to the hype or because you made that mistake in a contract year, you lose millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing you can do, I'll, I'll just take an athletic example here. Russell makes this mistake and the Super Bowl is over. So you can't pretend it didn't happen. So what's the truth? You got to go to the truth and you got to evaluate why did this happen? Right? You know, why am I in this battle? What happened to my marriage? What's the circumstance? What happened in this game? What's the truth? And then I got to evaluate and I got to own it. But then I got to realize, all right, uh what can I do next? You know, I've lost my job. What can I do next? You know, <clears throat> where can I go uh to apply for uh you know finances who can i talk to uh what's my situation uh what lawyers can i get to help me navigate a uh, custody you know all those different types of things so you you get really neutral and very solution oriented and and then going back to russells the only thing that was going to happen next as you know uh like when a season ends is the off season so how do you have the best off season you can have when that's all in your control So he literally sent me a text message, I need to hit the reset button. Let's have the best off season of my career. And then, you know, I went down to San Diego, we hired coaches, found a place to live, trained three times a week, uh, added boxing, did some different types of things, and then had this four-month stretch, met a new, uh, he'd gone through a divorce, met Sierra, the singer, started that relationship, but we got behind the habits that were going to give us a chance to be successful, Bika. And then as the season started, it wasn't perfect, but as it ended, he had the best season of his career. Yeah. But how did that happen? By taking the next practical step uh, and not living in the past, yeah. which we couldn't change, not being too far in the future because the Super Bowl was 12 months away, mm-hmm. but being in what can I do next? And I really think that philosophy of what can I do as a question mark, what can I do? Or yeah. what what's versus an exclamation point? Like, what can I do? Once you start this process, 
it's so invisible for you, right? Like you can't, you can't really notice that, especially if you're going out of a dark place, you know, uh, people going out of depression or something, it's, you can't really see those steps. So I feel like sometimes people on the outside notice that before you do on, on kind of your personal journey. And I, and I've had that experience just recently talking with, with my assistant and she was, I was sharing her and I'm like, I'm doing all these things and I just don't feel like I'm progressing. I feel like I'm just staying in one place. And she says, Vika, like, if you would see yourself two months ago, it's a huge difference, but you just can't notice. And then, and then there's this tipping point where you start to, to, to see that, okay, you know what, that's how I, I feel a little bit better. And I've noticed that the patterns, the habits are so important in starting them, even though you don't see them, don't see the progress right away is to the consistency and not kind of giving up, keep, keep going and keep doing it is, is something, um, so fascinating. So, you know, at this stage in my career, like if I were going to talk about like professionally, I'm rediscovering who I am. So I'm not necessarily going back into the past, which is like something that you always ask, like, oh, what you played in 2012 and 2013, like, are you the same person? I was like, I don't want to be the same person. Why would I want to be that same person that was uh, six, seven years ago, which I don't think even was that happy as, as maybe I, I am right now sitting here talking to you and discovering my personal journey. So it's, it, it's such a, you know, kind of fascinating thing, um, to kind of get to that place and keep going. And, and, and I'm just so grateful for th this opportunity, because as you said, like in this two hours, it's uh transformational, but I feel like rediscovering yourself doesn't have to doesn't have to be like, uh, at any time, you know, for you, it was at 18 years old where, where you start, uh, when we started the conversation at such a young age of having that awareness and transformation, uh, for your life. But I just want like people to understand that it doesn't matter where you are right in your journey. There's always something you can do. And it's going back to like, okay, what actions am I going to take? to, um, to do the things that, um, that, that will help me to move forward, to move to, to a direction where I kind of want to go. It's fun to hear how excited you are about taking this next step. And I think the idea of neutral is, look, I'm accountable for whatever's happened in my life, good or bad, but who I am going forward is based on what I'm going to do next. That's going to define me. And if I'm Tiger Woods, and I have all these gifts, but I don't do what you do to be a great golfer or a great human. I'm not going to succeed, yeah. you know, but if I have those gifts and I do those things, then I will. Or at least you have a better chance. <laughs> Let's say you have, a, at least you have a better chance of being terrible. <laughs> Vika, like nobody knows if positive thinking works or yeah. if even neutral, but we know that negative thinking does and it works negatively. So why would we say it? Why would we watch it? Why would we consume it? Mm -hmm. and, and so like to me, um, <clears throat> Russell and I always finish every text, the best is ahead, you know, and I think that for you, you know, like getting a chance just to listen, obviously you're very successful and <clears throat> you've been successful, but as we get bit, as we get older, like one of the coolest things Michael Johnson said to me was when he'd come to Bradenton, uh, you know, he told me, he said, look, 
Um, he was 33, had just retired. And he said uh, a year before, he'd set the world record in the 400. And he said, I don't want to just win gold medals in, uh, you know, up to 33. I want to win gold medals in the next 50 years of my life. You know, and, and so we became really, really close friends after his career. He went up and spent time with my dad and, and, and really studying this idea of anthropomaximology, which is a crazy word, but it's the studying of people who've been successful. Neutral thinking, Vika, I guess one of my last points would be, is, is a pretty good place, I think, to, to get mentally right now. Uh, because so many things are changing so fast. Well, I definitely probably wouldn't be able to do this show if uh, if it wasn't for, for quarantine. I would probably push it back to a couple more years to to see if I can do it after my career. So it's definitely a lot of things are changing and, uh, you know, uh, educating yourself, keep, keep learning, keep always being a student is so important in daily life. And now you just have time. And... You know, when sometimes it's like we have those red flags, they're coming at you and you're like, oh, I see it, but I don't want to know. Until it hits you where you just like, well, you got to face it. Right now, you, we are in the stage where you just, you can't hide from yourself because you are at home with yourself and you can't go anywhere. So I think it's, it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity for people to learn, to discover, reset as well. I wanted to ask you if you could maybe summarize in about 60 seconds what, what you learned maybe about me in our conversation. I think uh, very engaged, uh, very introspective, um, you know, uh, very capable. I mean, you know, I think you're from how you look, how you present yourself, how you manage yourself, uh, by far more than an athlete, very well-rounded. Uh, which is which is always fun to spend time with people because let's be realistic. Sometimes in the athletic world, uh, we're not well-rounded. You know, we're we're, we're not uh, diverse, uh, very inquisitive, um, and it's so clear to me that so many exciting things are ahead for you. Um, I think you play tennis as long as you can play. Um, you know, uh, that's uh, that's the way I think to do it. And I think you got a lot of game left. Um, but um, I, I think what really jumps out at me is your research, your preparation, which I appreciate, particularly because I work in a field where nobody knows what the hell I do. <laughs> so the fact that you did uh, was great um, and it made it easier for me. Um, but um, I really believe that um, that people who are passionate about learning uh, will inherit the earth. And uh, that's what really jumped out at me about you. I want to make sure you get uh, we get we exchange information because uh, I think this is just the beginning of a good uh, good friendship and a good opportunity to mutually grow. That would be fantastic, and thank you. So I'm gonna go to this um, little questionnaire. It's very short uh, questions and very short answers. So what is what is your favorite word? Wow. Um... I'm glad I stunned you. <laughs> I'm glad I did. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. What is your least favorite word? Can't. What is one profession besides your own uh, you would like to do? A doctor. What is one profession you would never want to do? College professor. <laughs> That's funny. 
what do you like about people? What what makes you excited about people? What do you uh, like character wise? Uh, fellowship, um, being together. I love the idea of community. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't do that on your own. I love mm -hmm. the idea of being with other people, and I miss that. What what kind of turns you off of people? You know, uh, external arrogance. I love confidence, but external arrogance uh, is a challenge for me. And my last question is, if heaven ex exists and you would arrive at the pearly gates, what would you want God to tell you? You put your best foot forward and did what you could uh, to utilize the gifts I gave you. I think that would be, uh, I don't think I could ask for more. And I think I got a long ways to go, Vika, before I would get that answer. Uh, but that would be incredible. That's, that's a good one. That's, that's a really good one. Well, that's, that's a wrap. Trevor, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Uh, we went way above what we, what we had <laughs> what we had in mind, but uh, it was worth every minute. I appreciate your vision. I appreciate your work you do. And as you said, um, I hope it's just the beginning of a of a great friendship. I wish you all the best of luck with your new project. I'll be watching. I'll be listening. I'll be learning. Likewise. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Think About It. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. This will help us to know what maybe other topics you guys want to hear or how you like the show so we can improve. This will be really, really appreciated. I'll be talking more about this podcast over on my Instagram, so please come and join the conversation with me there. Thank you.